My name is Dave, and I'll be one of your hosts for the episode. We have joining us today from across the world, <laughs> the second most international podcast, right? <laughs> mm, cool. Sounds about right. So yeah. we have Cameron and Matt. Yep. Hi, I'm Cameron. I'm Hello. our Australian division. <laughs> and I am Matt from Britain, or Britain, as it's <laughs> otherwise known. Or United Kingdom. Take your pick. Uh, for however long, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, for however long. Okay, um, today we're going to be taking a look at Kaiju for one of probably a few episodes. Um, the first film we'll be looking at is Pacific Rim which came out in... Oh, I didn't look that up, did I? 2013, I think. Yes, 2013. Yeah. And it was directed by Guillermo del Toro, and wasn't his first foray into the uh, monster films, but uh, the first with giant monsters. Mm. Yep. And the movie itself, it's, it's just pretty straightforward. It's uh, set in the year 2020, at least for the prologue. The um, kaiju uh, arrived seven years prior to the beginning of the movie and basically suddenly started rampaging. Quite a unique one, actually, in that sense, from you know the whole specific and breach situation i think it's you know it, mm. compared to other movies because obviously i think a lot of people where there's a robots mon versus monsters sort of film but i think you know even the the subtle difference having the breach in there is actually quite a nice little thing to have you know in the sense that yeah. you know it, it's not somewhere you would expect them to come mm. from especially the fact that they're not just traditional sea monsters i think the fact that they actually come from you know in the break in the you know between the the plates and such like under pacific is actually quite a unique thing which i sort of gives it a bit more depth than just big robots versus big monsters <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, well they're... it's an alien movie isn't it really yeah no it's an it's an alien movie i mean you find out the end spoilers that um <laughs> it another dimension another planet that was a bit if Another dimension, uh, it, it seemed to be. Um, and we should probably, yes, yeah. spoiler warning for the movies we're talking about. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen them, we're going to spoil them. <laughs> Aww. Maybe we should throw that at the front of the episode. <laughs> probably should have. We'll live and learn. But yeah, no, it's a nice take on Kaiju as opposed to the classic a monster rises from the deep after the disturbances of man trope that you sort of started with Godzilla. We'll get to later, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then it's it's really because of the disturbances of man that they're able to do what they're doing. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, the, the movie has fairly an environmental... Um, message saying that our climate change and pollutions what as one of the characters says terraforms earth for these you know these giant bees mm. yes yeah 
I think as well from a, a filming point of view, it also gives you or the you know it gives Del Toro and anyone that was involved with it that they can actually have whatever they want coming through from a kaiju point of view. Ultimately, oh, yeah. you know the fact that <clears throat> rather than just being one central monster, you can you know if you're saying well it's aliens throwing it down, <laughs> you know sending it through a portal under the under the Pacific. Yeah, throw them down. Here's, you know, we'll have a big horned one. We'll have one with blades on top. You know, you can have, you know, you, from a creativity point of view, you can have whatever you want out of it, which I think sort of they took advantage of in the end. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, the the sheer variety um, of these kaiju was pretty much astounding. I mean, every every single one of them was a spectacle. Yeah, I've got the yeah. um, some development notes up here, and there are nine kaiju designed just for the film but about 40 were apparently designed in the process of picking those nine. Oh, just to make this already large variety of monsters small enough for a movie. <laughs> or large enough for a couple sequels. Oh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. You can, you can imagine it from a, a designer point of view. You can imagine being the, you know, a, you know, a, an artist or such like they said just literally just just draw 50 monsters you you know if you were if that was your sort of forte and, and what you had an interest in that would be amazing to, to get to do that you know oh, if you're an artist absolutely. just draw 50 months can you, can you imagine that would it oh oh i'm not an artist but that would give me goosebumps if i had that you could, you could just you could literally let your creative flow go on that can you which again i think they did to a degree Oh, I mean, yeah. certainly. You just uh, Del Toro himself does a lot of the creature designs in most of his movies. Yeah, and um, he, he, I mean, he has his certain touch, the way that the eyes and the faces generally look. Um, so I think he just went free reign. I was like, I'm going to do you know 50 different monsters, and it'll be great, and maybe I'll use all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, there's a, a kaiju in the back, in there. Background. It yes. <laughs> it's a dog shaped one. Dear God. <laughs> That's how they get to us. That's where it all starts. <laughs> That's a oh, different God. monster no, movie. I can see that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Alan, that's, right? that's, that's, that's the an, that's the tenth anniversary episode, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a John yeah. Carpenter's kaiju. <laughs> that'll probably be on our that'll probably be on our sci-fi channel in the UK because they oh, like yeah. I said they love they love the I mean you probably get it in your in your you know mecha mecha whatever you know scissor shark versus mm. lizard oh. head times ten oh it's you know that that'll be it John Carpenter's kaiju you've heard it here first. Exactly. I would yeah. watch that. I'd oh, watch yeah. it for just the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, when we're looking at this, it's it's not just the kaiju. Um, they're pretty much framed, not really against humanity, but against these the Jaegers, these giant behemoths that um, people built because that was the only thing that was going to withstand <laughs> basically these, you know, natural disaster style oh, events. Man, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it gives me hope for humanity that um, the idea that and uh, destroying the world, what's our first instinct? 
we build, build robots. A giant robot. Oh, it is nice, isn't it? To fight the monster. It is. Hand it's hand. Like, there's got <laughs> to be like 10 cameras on any one of these fights, right? They're selling these as documentaries, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's given us a little insight to the future, isn't it? Because let's be honest, in most other films and media, they're always nuking aren't they? Oh, let's, let's mm. what's, you know, new monster, oh, let's nuke it. And, you know, and obviously you can imagine someone in the background's going, whoa, 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 take your finger off that button. I've got an idea. Let's build robots. Not just robots, giant robots. You know, and it's My like... Show me his Voltron mini this morning. He was very proud of it. I thought, no, that'll work though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, oh, good on him. Well done, humans. Good job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but Dave, as you were going on with the uh, Jaegers, sort of as the antithesis to our Kaiju. I mean, that they're, they're basically the only thing that uh, there's a bit of dialogue, I believe, uh, in the opening part of the film where um, our our main hero, um, he's uh, Rally Beckett. He's um, in his uh, Jaeger, yeah. and he's he's kind of doing this soliloquy, saying that these kaiju are forces of nature. But you know, when I'm riding and or piloting my Jaeger, I feel like I could you know fight a hurricane. So mm-hmm. they're they're taking that comparison almost literally, um, which I think is just really interesting. Oh yeah, no, it certainly frames the battle pretty intensely. <laughs> I, I think also as well is it it sort of highlights that for once in in these sort of types of films where there is a threat to humanity, it almost feels like we're, that humans aren't always in the on the back foot. Is obviously in every other film, you know, you know, whether it's aliens or or anything like that, you know, humanity always feels like they're having to, you know, make up the gap, you know, because they're getting, you know, they're being attacked and they're having to find a solution. Where is that? It feels like no, no, we're on a level playing field here. We've got our Jaegers. We've got, you know, we've got the, you know, the force to, you know, to take them on for once. And and actually, you know, and if not, we'll make a better robot a bigger robot you know it's sort of it's 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 and i think in a way in a way it actually highlights sort of the way humanity works in that because obviously you know as a as a race we we do want to you know uh progress and and evolve because that's what we naturally do you know century by century and it's the next level of that you know it's obviously at this moment we're not building robots of that size or are we but um (laughs) we're and and, you know (laughs) And, um, you know, and the fact that, you know, one day that I, you know, I, in a weird way, even though I'm not saying we're going to get attacked by Kaiju, I could see us doing that as a, as a race, you know, I doing oh, yeah. that. No, you know, we'll, we'll build robots to take them on and we will, you know, we'll, we'll take it to them. So I think it's, yeah, evolution. Well, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a cultural touchstone at this point. It's like a trope. Oh, yeah. I don't think we would think of something else instead everyone would be like, okay, no, we need to build the giant robot. That's what we do, right? Well, no, it would have been like, well, finally, we get to build the giant robot. Or use the one we built. I don't know. Finally. Like, uh, that Gundam has been moving around Japan. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure the Japanese just have them everywhere. <laughs> In plain sight. Well, that, it, no, but it would be like Transformers, wouldn't it? 
first Transformer movies where they're all hidden, aren't they? Decepticons <laughs> are hidden, like, oh, that van over there is actually, you know, a Transformer. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe all those vending machines in Japan are actually Jaegers. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, God. <laughs> They do have a lot there's, of there's a, they, they rely on them, you know, and and you can imagine that, you know, that vending machines over there are very, you know, a very uh, a big part of their life over there, or you know, reliance on it, you know, could be, you know, it could be uh, Jaegers under there. Jaeger material. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and just now we have switched our category from educational edu- entertainment to conspiracy. <laughs> yeah yeah jaegers everywhere sorry japan i'm not saying that <laughs> yeah uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah so we've got uh giant monsters giant robots pretty good basis for a movie mm-hmm. yeah you know you think they would have made a couple of these right uh, you would think it'd take him less than four years to come up with a sequel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's out there somewhere. Probably budgetary <laughs> concerns. Oh yeah. They, uh, just just watching the making of for the film, um, Del Toro. I mean, he built those those Jaeger cockpits where they were walking mm. in them. So oh they yeah, they were full uh, mm. yeah. So that's that's a lot of the money just goes into like um. You know, you do you do the Jaeger or not the well the Jaegers and the Kaiju are um CG. Yeah. Uh mm. they may have had a few practical effects, but uh, yeah. I think just because of that, melding that with the, the practical sets and having the water splash and all that mm. kind of thing that that uh gives it that a little bit more staying power, a little bit more like Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also can can we I just talk I, for a so, second? Okay, I'll go. I guess. Um, okay, keep going. Can we talk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we talk just for a second? Is <laughs> Jaegers any way we could have chosen, and yet we chose to play Dance Dance Revolution with a partner to pilot a giant robot? Because <laughs> uh, you know, surely, when the, them, surely that's like, the base of everything. Dance Dance Revolution is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I I do remember the first time I saw the film, just that first shot of them. Uh, Rally and his brother both piloting their Jaeger, and it's like it's very cool. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it's these two guys making <laughs> jogging motions inside this giant head. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, well, you, you never know that they may they, they may have wanted the Power Rangers way of doing it. You know, just being mm. all of them set around in a you know in the head like that, and just you know just waving their arms around. But they obviously <laughs> realised that it's been it's been done before, so they thought yeah. let's mix it up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I thought that part was. I mean, they they go on about how the um, when they're drifting, one's controlling the right hemisphere and one controlling the left hemisphere, but they're mm-hmm. not controlling the respective left and right halves of the Jaeger. They're yeah, doing the whole thing at the simultaneously. Yeah, something like that. It's it's a bit more uh, complex, I guess. I mean, same as the human brain, I suppose. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, so. There's the uh, I think it's the, the Crimson Dynamo, the um, the Hong Kong Jaeger mm. uh, yeah. with the yeah. Triplet Brothers. This is a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone loves that one. <laughs> and so uh, each brother controls an arm, is what it sounds like, but that's not what it looks like in practice. 
Like they all yeah. just controlled all three arms. Uh, yeah, it's not the most uh, well explained at doing a giant mecha. Well, I think, I mean, in comparison to other series where they might just be holding a control stick if you're if you're lucky, um, they they <laughs> went into it quite a bit, but I don't think it holds yeah. to too much scrutiny. Much about it, <laughs> but I think I think as well with the the what you're saying about not using control sticks and you know and instead they you know when they punch you know the the Jaeger punches I I think as well is I think that also adds to the the spectacle of it as well because mm-hmm. you know let's be honest when you watch these sort of films when you know when you're when you know the the Jaeger is taken on the kaiju you know, you as a person watching it you know you you almost want to be behind be behind the punch that's hitting the, you know, there's that part of you going, go on, go on, hit him, you know, and it's almost like, you know, it's almost like, I think it's that side, you know, again, bringing a bit of more of a human side into it rather than just hitting a switch or, you know, moving a joystick, right? And they're actually, you know, the, the user is actually, you know, making the punch and, you know, almost, you know, as an audience member, I think you feel it a bit more as well, you know, on that sort of level anyway. I think that was deliberate potentially. Oh, for sure. I mean, it makes the scenes more dynamic. If you look at um, older shows or anyone where someone's just sitting in a cockpit, they don't, you got their, you got their head and you see their hands. Maybe in this, you have a full body shot. They're like running in place, but it's giving that sense of like action. Yeah. yeah. Every part of the film. Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, I guess we'll go back to the uh, the kaiju there. Um, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we can't help ourselves, can we? <laughs> we, can't, we can't help it. Can it we? It's the robot. <laughs> huh? Everything's yeah, so yeah. cool. Come on, robot, it's... dear robot, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what I was going to say, leading on to what you said earlier, that I think I read that um, Del Toro wanted the uh, kaiju to be in, you know, the actors playing them to be in suits. Um, you know, to mirror the old school, you know, Godzilla films and and the like, et cetera, to actually, rather than it being all CGI, I think he originally wanted that, you know, if they can be in a suit, they can. Whereas I think, I don't think it happened obviously in the end, but you know, that was actually his original wish to sort of stay, you know, uh, consistent with the, you know, the films of mm-hmm. decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. And he, the, uh, he did similar films. Um suit things with uh hellboy and a few of his other movies where some of the mm. monsters were actors in suits so it's it's doable mm. i think maybe yeah. the scale he was working with or um yeah. just the they were quadruped most of the time um, i think that yeah. made it more difficult and obviously uh andy circus was you know from uh golem was probably busy because again he's probably the only person they could call Oh yeah, definitely. He's At all this full. Point, that's all yeah, <laughs> his schedule was full. Can't do it. We can't do the live action guys. We gotta gotta make him CG. Uh, uh, Boxes <laughs> three DLC. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back onto the Kai Troop. Yep, we'll get there. I believe we'll get there. <laughs> We're working at. We're getting you know warmed up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, um, another pretty interesting aspect of the kaiju um giving to the that that theme of pollution is that there's that their blood is not only acidic but just harmful on a general level 
it's you know enough that yeah, they, yeah. they gave it a term of um, that kaiju blue. Kaiju blue, yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, it's ammonia based, which would be pretty nasty. Trust me. <laughs> Done enough work with that, so. Yeah, I think they they um, talk about that a little yeah. bit. Um, what is it? Uh, oh, uh, Hannibal Chow's character, the um, black market. Uh, mm. Yeah, marketeer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ron yeah. Perlman. <laughs> yeah, Ron, good old Ron Perlman. Um, yeah, he mm-hmm. goes on saying that the um, the brain's too, it's too full of ammonia. You know, we can't use it. Yeah, yeah. And oh, the the fact that there there's a market around this um, these these kaiju. Uh, the yeah, another theme that's just really prevalent in the film um, is that commercialism. You know they're, they're marketing yeah. Jaegers as mm. you know these spectacles, and they're you know they're oh, kind yeah. of giving in that that team, uh, you know, specific. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're superheroes. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, they are they are know, They get branding, you know, highly advertised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also think it shows how it's become a part of life as well. That is obviously in these other sort of films, it's usually scientists involved with. You know, wanting to take parts and and do the research, where it shows how how long that humans have got used to uh, uh, kaiju coming through the breach. That they've actually now established a black. These black markets don't just come out, you know, aren't a five minute thing. So the fact that shows how long they've they've got used to it, and now they've like I said, they've turned it into a commercial thing. is It's crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. But like I said it adds a bit of a dy- you know new dynamic to it as well, and and it's, it's an yeah, it certainly adds to the feel of it being sort of a realistic world as well. Because of course, yeah. if giant monsters appeared, people would be grinding them down for parts and traditional medicine and whatnot. And this is what we see in the film, obviously, as well. Yeah, and the um, it doesn't. It gives a couple dates. So, toward the end of the film, when we're in the the present uh, of the film, it's it's twelve years after mm-hmm. the initial um kaiju appearance so yeah in the scheme yeah. of things that's that's a long time mm-hmm. uh, to be suffering these monthly and shorter um, duration attacks yeah. so i mean obviously people will have, will have built their they're building their lives around this and um yeah inland seems safer but they're they're erecting these giant wall barriers on the coasts to uh ostensibly protect you know the the mainland yeah and of 2024 there were 46 confirmed kaiju attacks in the pacific rim universe which is a lot (laughs) yeah i mean uh the 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 jaeger pilots themselves make a big deal about oh i have you know 10 confirmed kills or 10 encounters Mm. and that that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you realize how destructive the, the kaiju are, and even just toward the end, the, these are seasoned pilots with you know these experience under their belts and just just getting whipped, you know, you know, getting the, destroyed by some of the later kaiju, yeah, yeah, just because the 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 category level that they've assigned um, these mm. kaiju events. I think I think yeah. the numbers um, actually actually sort of get a bit lost in the sense of things because if you think again if you compare to the other films like the ones we're about to move on to a bit later where it's one monster one kaiju that you know it's causing all this destruction and you think when they're talking about 
there's been 48 of them there's been 10 here they've killed 12 over here you know that is that's crazy numbers you know to think that one kaiju could, or, or monster could you know could cause so much havoc oh, in, yeah. in one part of the world if not the world and they're um, you know they're sort of tri- it, it's i know they're deliberately not but they're almost trivializing the amount the numbers of them the fact that yeah. you know these the, the numbers mean little really in the end and it's quite you know it's and again that's a real contrast to all the other films that you know that, that oh. are, you know similar to this again that we're going to cover later during the film honestly they all feel like they could have had their own film as a feature monster yeah exactly I mean, each of them are iconic enough, um, but to to speak to that trivialization, um, they 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 hammer it home on the initial kaiju, um, the fir- the first kaiju that made landfall, uh, according to the, yeah. the film. Mm-hmm. It it was a six day battle because, of course, there were there were yeah. no Jaegers; it was just the mm-hmm. standing army, and, mm-hmm. and over a thirty five yep. mile uh, pitched fight. You know, they finally stopped it. Um, but when you see that throughout the film, they're like, oh, they, you know, they defeated three kaiju in, you know, an hour or, you know, they don't yeah. know exactly how mm-hmm. long it takes. But they've, yeah, they, they did downgrade the severity of the kaiju um, while yeah. upgrading their category. Yeah. They're like, oh, I mean, you it's... couldn't beat a category one, you know, in six days, but you beat a category four in like 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's the upgrade of Jaegers, which have gotten better over time as well, being a big part of uh, how the different categories are sort of almost trivialized as they get higher. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's like, you know, a category one is nothing if you've got a seasoned Jaeger pilot, but if all you are is the standing national guard of the U S or something and a 200 foot, you know, 40,000 ton thing just crawls out of the ocean and starts walking towards San Francisco. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to take six days. To try to <laughs> you're going to take it six down. days to kill me. <laughs> and take it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is it almost, it almost makes it a bit, a bit gamified really doesn't it it's sort of the fact that mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you know like when you you know you're playing a beat-em-up or something and they're, they're sort of progressively getting harder like yeah that there's it's you know it'll just stand there and get beaten and then like i said you just go to the next level it's, you almost that's what you feel like the aliens are doing when they're sending new ones down like okay level 10 here you go <laughs> so, you know this is the sort of thing it, it feels like they're doing mm-hmm. yeah and um i, I think another a point to that um, is if the aliens or, you know, the, 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 the controllers or whatever um, are sending yeah. this kaiju through and they're genetic, they're, they're creating them. You get that. Like, why didn't they just send the category five from the get go? It would have been over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Nothing Cause then there wouldn't be a film. But just in in yeah. world, yeah. I mean, no, I developing it, there's that kind of idea. What are they doing with that? Why is it taking 12 years? So, yeah, I mean, obviously it, can't, I mean, they're mass producing them according to when you're seeing the memories um, that, uh, uh, good old Newt is uh, drifting with the kaiju to acquire, <laughs> and um, it looks yeah. like these giant f- 
factories for lack of a better term. Um, but maybe there's a gestation period or something. So we don't get um, more than a cursory oh, glance at the kaiju like physiology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting the short version of it, especially when uh, we get the scene when you looks into the memories of a kaiju, basically, but you're not seeing the, you know, five to six years it takes just to grow something that big <laughs> before they can start sending them out or anything like that. And um, I think that was another thing about the the, the drift is uh, we're not – they can only convey it visually through the film, mm-hmm. but they're getting more information um, through that experience yeah. uh, as characters in the movie. Like Newt, the, we don't know how long that his connection lasted. It, it was uh, short, um, but he seemed to pull a lot more from that than just what we were able to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's only so much you can do with a purely visual and audio a touch or smell or memories or anything like that on what you can just show on the screen. So, I think it's like they could have really gone to town with the whole origin thing of how how the kaiju, you know, where they come from. Because, you you know, let's be honest with the the whole controllers aliens side of things you you don't see that much of it really you don't they don't really give you that much insight to what how they you know where the where how they breed you know make them or breed them or how have they come you know it's sort of it's a, you're getting sort of tidbits of information and i think you know in a sense you, they could have gone they could have made almost a whole nother movie on that side of things but i suppose to be fair if they spent a lot of time on that then you would they would, it would take away from the visual you know, epic side of the, you know, the films as well, you know, so I think, and also I think it going on to, you know, going on from what you're saying about why they didn't send level fives down straight away. Again, it's probably an evolution thing as well. You know, again, you know, it shows that, that straight away, you know, humans were slightly on the back foot, but then, you know, managed to you know start building Jaegers and then, and then obviously, like I said, Jaegers have got better, Kaiju are getting better, you know, and it's just, an, again, it's just a natural evolution as, as a war, you know, it's almost like a war situation where, you know, as time, the tactics get, get better, you know, your enemy a bit better, you get better, they get better. And, you know, and then obviously it, you know, eventually finalizes. So I think that's sort of probably where they came from as well. Mm-hmm that and probably that idea of escalation uh, i mean we can see in the film that the ale or the the other dimension their their time scale is utterly different if they're going at this from the age of the dinosaurs then kind of taking a break mm. waiting for a bit yeah. and then coming back you know <laughs> millennia later. later um i don't <laughs> yeah. think that they had a sense of urgency until you know, we get Newt do his interface and there's that, you know, two-way street of the um, the drift connection, seeing that, yeah. oh, they're planning to do, uh, you know, a very specific um, nuclear attack on the, uh, the the rift. Whatever they are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think at that point they're like, oh, we'll, you know, we'll escalate things, bump, bump the timetable up a little bit. Hmm. So then you get those, you know, two events, the three events that that escalating uh, emergence of kaiju. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it it almost seems like say there's a specific gestation period, and they were kind of just buffering it, and 
where before they were just releasing one or two, maybe those were like test ones that to make sure they survived in the atmosphere. Um, but yeah. when they kind of got that down to a T, they're like, well, this works. We got our, you know, giant backlog of 100 or however many they're going to send and just kind of start lumping, tossing them out. Shipping them out. So I think that'll be yeah. interesting if uh, if this um, Pacific Rim 2, you know, gets off the ground to see if they're going to go with the same kaiju or if it's mm. going to be like a, you know, a, a different dimension or a different source or, oh, it woke yeah. up in from a volcano or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The thing is, it could be as, it could be as simple as another breach, but, you know, another, they'll just put another hole, you know, comes in the middle of the Pacific, you know, It'll close yeah. one off and then another one comes out. You know, it could be as simple as that. I suppose it depends how, how creative they want to be with it, I suppose. But yeah, I think they, you know, they got a lot of potential in, in the, you know, the next film whenever, you know, whenever, whatever they do with it. But yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so taking a look at the Kaiju, did you guys have any particular favorites? Only ones that stood out design wise? my absolute favorite in the film is the uh the one we see in the sort of the prologue which is a uh, knife head initial one in the prologue that uh goes off with uh gypsy danger and uh uh protagonist Raleigh. Raleigh, Raleigh. i never know how to pronounce his name but um it's called knife because it has this long I don't know if you guys have ever seen a goblin shark, but this sort of shark-like mouth and this long protruding nose that it uses as a weapon by sort of repeatedly trying to pierce uh, the Jaeger with it. And I just think it's a really cool, really sort of iconic design. Stands out immediately. Yeah, that, that one was pretty interesting. Um, you get that just... It's really visceral attacks um in just past kaiju movies they kind of they're stand up take a couple slugs at each other but this is just it's really grappling and they're as the movie goes on of course we see the jaegers do a little bit more um kind of thing yeah intricate fights matt what was your uh... Uh, to me i think they're better they're, uh, well i i i don't know what i would consider my favorite one but i, I just think that they I like the. I mean, is it is it Slattern? I think that's one they call it. The one that's got the yeah like a the big very tail on it. It's, uh, yeah, I I I just think it's like yeah, yeah it, I I like that one because I think I think for me I like it, it, whether it's kaiju or any monster I like when they're quite aggressive as well. You know, because some can be a, you know a, a monster but a bit of a pushover. Whereas I whereas I think ones where they can you know you like you see another films that we're about to talk about where, you know, where something almost sort of like, like an, almost like an octopus or something with, 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 you know, multiple, you know, arms or something where it can actually almost like squeeze the, you know, the, the, you know, protagonist or the, you know, the, which whatever monster or Jaeger you're talking about. I think anything that's, that can sort of really sort of crush them and sort of, you know, almost give them a bear hug or any, any, any sort of creature like that, I think yeah. is always, you know, always is the sort of thing I like because because it, I think the it, in a way it makes them threatening. You know, I know that's you can say that for any of them, but I think there's something quite you know quite uh, scary about those things where it's not just 
blades or you know claws or anything like that. anything that can sort of do that sort of thing i think is is fantastic i think but like we said at the, you know earlier on i think the, the range of them is great as well i think they really did well with the uh you know with all the the variations of them the you know the slat and the thing is the knife head is the one you're talking about and the leather back you know they're all a real good selection to be fair i think they they you know and, and again with any future films they can you know they can really go to time with them you know let's see what they do yeah 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 um personally um it might be the same one it has the the prehensile tail but it's the only kaiju that flies but that oh that is a surprise i think that's mm. otaki uh that is otachi yeah otachi yeah uh, one of the category fours mm-hmm. yeah that that whole fight i mean it was great it, it moves from sea to land oh, yeah. to air that is fantastic yeah gets the uh the glory of taking out the beloved hong kong jaeger with zero effort yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was that was a bit of an anticlimax, but uh well they, they took pains to show the hong kong jaeger you know it it dices up one yeah yeah you know, does his uh the the thunder typhoon or <laughs> i don't, don't recall the, the yeah. particular uh, <laughs> yeah. special move um yeah you know and they they're kind of showing the 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 brothers you know be you know somewhat competent and then to give a more sense of just the power of that particular kaiju it just easily dispenses with these seasoned veterans you know and oh, it gives our uh, gypsy danger a run for its money yeah mm-hmm. i i for me it's even though it's quite a basic thing i love the design the, if you look at the, you know, if you got the tail uh, yeah. in front of you, it's sort of, it's like a like a three clawed sort of uh, situation going on. It's just, you know, again, it's simple. it just really does feel like you know whoever designed it, you know, they've it's got the you know the quite a classic front with the you know the sort of the horn that's going backwards and and uh, the you know the rest of it, but quite dinosaur like. So it's, it's just that little claw at the end. Just you just yeah, just I think it just it just separates it from something quite generic but it's yeah very well designed yeah it definitely stands out among all the other ones as well like uh like dave said it's the only one that can as far as we know at least fly and goes way up as well like it looks like a low orbit in the film almost mm-hmm. yeah they were losing atmosphere so it had to be like low earth orbit and the fact that they were like <laughs> had enough friction to start burning up on re-entry exactly which um, is pretty crazy <laughs> yeah, but even that same kaiju it's it's so many specific parts there's the prehensile tail there's its strange flower mouth tongue, tongue thing. thing you know it's it's, it's like um, an acid like it's it's got an acidic uvula i guess yeah <laughs> is that what it is <laughs> little flower bits <laughs> Um, and it also, it remind, also it remind, it's a, it's, it, sorry yeah no it also gives yes. birth as well to um you know once the black marketeers we mentioned earlier start um, it actually births this sort of fetal version of itself which is pretty creepy to be honest <laughs> that, thing always, that thing always creeps me out every time i watch the film it, it does have it's, some it also googly eyes <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I was going to yeah. say as well, it, the mouth of it also is sort of a bit like similar to, well, uh, sort of similar to the things in Resident Evil, isn't it? Something, you know, like where the mouth, you know, or, you know, the lips open out and such like at the bottom, it's, you know, when it's sort of, they've saw it's got a bit of design off that really, or, or you know, similar to the face uh, huggers off alien as well. It's sort of, you know, it's got an element of it anyway, where it's sort of the, yeah. you know, the lips open up and, and um, all the map, you know, it's yeah. Good design. Yeah. I think um, Del Toro, he, he leans on that sometimes. Um, he, I believe he directed blade two and the vampires in that had that same, you know, their, their jaw yes, opened they did. up and split and had that, Extra That's it. Mouth. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pretty unnerving. Well, yeah. got, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to disagree on when, that. Like, I think <laughs> you. It's something. It's, let's be honest. It's not something you'd like to experience while you're having your dinner. You know. Let's just keep it as simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, those are our personal favorites among the kaiju of the film, mm-hmm. but uh, there are a lot of others as well. Yeah. Um, I think, Matt, you might have mentioned Leatherback as well, the sort of the gorilla-style yeah. kaiju. Yeah. yeah. He's really important yeah. because uh, he's the first instance of the kaiju really getting super adapted to deal with Jaegers because he has an EMP, doesn't he, on his back? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. That sounds familiar <laughs> to another monster. <laughs> oh, well, we'll be getting to that later. But yeah, yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, again, this is stuff where each kaiju sort of stands out on its own. You know, you've got Otachi flying around, you've got um, big knife head. <laughs> and then you've got, <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got things like Leatherback, where he walks onto the field and just completely shuts down the... Uh, uh, Jaeger strike Eureka by just shutting off all its systems with an electromagnetic pulse, which is yeah, pretty cool to be honest. Yeah, that is. I mean, it shows that that they've taken inspiration from a lot, of, you know, conventional mm. creatures. You know, which I suppose they have to really because it's somewhere. But you know, oh, yeah. even though even though it sounds quite an obvious, that, you know, to use a you know a gorilla monster again, not heard of one of those before. But it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, but again, again, even though it's using something quite, you know, that's been done before in that sense, it still works. You don't go, oh, oh yeah. you know, it's a, oh, not another gorilla monster. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's still unique. And I think, again, that, you know, that shows how well they did with the design on these things. There was actual purpose behind them, yeah. you know, rather than, and, uh, than just choosing one. Into it with the animation uh, as well for the fights because Leatherback is just all over the place. He's sort of, you know, grappling with Jaegers and going up and over them and under them and everything. It's sort of, oh, honestly, it's a, like a fight from King Kong, mm. but that's for later. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 he really gets sort of more unique feeling fights. Everyone else is just punching and kicking and he's doing grapples and locks and everything, almost yeah. like a trained boxer. Yeah. <laughs> And again, it's sort of similar how how a gorilla, you know, would could fight in that sort of situation. You know, based it on that as well. You know, and it it sort of it. And again, it creates you you know unique kaiju. It creates unique fights. You know, against 
unique Jaegers. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's that's why that's why it performs so well overall as a as a piece is you know as a spectacle. It's just having these these sort of combinations where you can have you know whatever Jaegers you want, having kaiju that have got all these different traits, mm. and and it's almost like they matched them up effectively. You know, you could imagine that at one point, you know, when when they were creating it, that Del Toro and his team were going right, okay, well. We'll put you know put this kaiju against the, you know these Jaegers and you know and you know you world's your oyster with it really and it, it's paid off. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think that that's also um, that particular fight was the first instance, uh, well aside from the opening, where we get a direct comparison of kaiju versus Jaeger, but then also mm. kaiju versus pilot and you you see the magnitude because when they're framed oh. against the jaeger they're the same size as yeah. you know a person basically. Yeah, yeah but then you get um the two uh the striker eureka pilots climbing out and armed mm. with nothing but flare guns <laughs> facing down this you know this giant kaiju honestly <laughs> i felt a swell of pride as an australian citizen uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, no, it is what, a fantastic it, it, moment, yeah. Actually, I think one of the actors is British, isn't it? Uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the Aussie uh, pilots. I think the the son. I think he's I'm British. Sure. Isn't he? I think. I'm pretty sure he is. His accent yeah. wasn't <laughs> amazing, but it wasn't all either. So I'll he did change yeah. the way he said "rally" like three or four times. Rally. But I think it's also on purpose. <laughs> he was just rallying him. Rally. It's the only way I remember the main guy's name. He kept mocking him. Oh, yeah. It's a good way to make sure we actually remember. <laughs> well, they don't mention it other they. I mean, they're calling everybody basically by their last name for most of it since it's sort of a military operation. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you anyone's name. Uh, off the top of my head, really, unfortunately. But uh, you remember the Jaegers and you remember the Kaiju, which honestly are the important parts of the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, this is contrasted basically against um, disaster movies because that's kind of what mm. a lot of monster movies, these Kaiju films are. I mean, this you can compare it to um, uh, you know, Twister or you know, any, any of the other large blockbuster. Yeah. Um, disaster films where people you know there's there's a this event happening and all they can pretty much do is run and hide so <laughs> with with these um the, the kaiju films at least specifically the ones that have um mecha or other robots in them uh there's some sort of agency where man can fight back you know against something otherwise that they're powerless against and of course that well it's works a, it's, to only varying degrees of success there yeah no oh, it's, it's a very literal representation of human ingenuity to overcome the forces of nature as uh we sort of started out with the kaiju being a sort of a style thing in this movie yeah well i mean they're they're literally classified the same way hurricanes are so they yeah, weren't, they yeah. weren't trying to be subtle with that <laughs> No, <laughs> and, also, and also i think using the various uh nationalities as well as obviously you know show that you know a collective human you know f- you know front against the kaijus as well and obviously trying to make them as varied as they can so you know i mean obviously they've used a bit of stereotypes in there as well but i don't think it overshadows it i think it you know it, yeah. it 
you know, it makes sense because it, it, it's mm-hmm. what we should do when we do get attacked by Kaiju. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone band together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're doing on this podcast right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it makes sense um, using the the film as a comparison to, I mean, to any kind of uh, natural disaster, or as the case may be, more toward climate change. I mean, that's not mm. the, uh, a phenomenon that affects one specific area or one specific nation. It's a global threat. Or you know yep, issue, exactly. so showing that um, people can successfully band together to to deal with something is, I mean, that's a yeah. core message of the film. Oh, uh, yeah. I, well, I honestly hope so because look, eighty five percent of Australia lives within about twenty miles of the coast, so climate change is a big thing for us. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, do we have anything else uh, to go over? I think we kind of covered maybe what we wanted to talk about for That's not yeah, our favorite. Yeah, I think, so. I think so. Yeah, I think, I think we done pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot more kaiju than we covered, obviously, but uh, these are the ones that sort of stood out to us. Uh, you're welcome, of course, to. I think it's it's trying to get away from not talking about the Jaegers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, we, God, we no. can go on a little bit more about those guys, but uh, I think that's that's within the wheelhouse of the podcast, and yet not the focus. No, no, oh. fair point. So let's, but Shadow uh, let's just turn so to good. our next film. Uh, we'll take a look at Godzilla. Um, this was Godzilla. By Mr. Gareth Edwards, and yep. again. A, a spectacle of a film. <laughs> yeah, I'd say this is uh, perhaps closer to the traditional disaster movies. It's got a lot more people and a lot less monster in it, but still. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then the director himself, he hews pretty close to the traditional Godzilla film mold. Um, mm-hmm. We we get you know a two hour long movie with the brunt of the action and the kaiju experience is pretty much toward the end of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was probably... Um, the the movie itself was uh, fairly well-received, but um, I know specifically uh, for Western audiences, the pacing was glacial. Like, that was the complaints was, oh, we know we came to see Godzilla on the title. Where's Godzilla? Matt, are you still there? Hold on. <laughs> uh, say, say again, Matt. We lost you for like 30 seconds there okay are you back matt yeah i'm am i sorry was i uh yeah you, you're, you were gone for like a minute oh well, sorry i was i was talking about godzilla <laughs> okay. okay give uh, it a go uh, again uh, if you remember what you said <laughs> <laughs> sorry wait, wait, i think the well what i was saying was i was disappointed with the the design of him i don't know if you call that but that's what basically okay. what i was saying um that i think you know the I th- in this this version of him, I thought was a bit disappointing. Um, oh, I yeah. think it was in the sense that I think that, and I was saying this to my friends at the time when we we watched it at the cinema, that I found him a bit overly stocky and a bit a bit overly chunky as a as a, as a design. Okay. I thought, like you know, I think that you know that he's a bit 
middle heavy. I know he's supposed to be to a degree, but I thought they could have, he sort of like his neck was too short and, and compared to some of the other versions of him. Um, yeah, I, do, I, do, I wasn't over, I wasn't bowled over by his design compared to others. I must admit, I was slightly disappointed with this Godzilla. Um, you, you probably disagree with me, but that's like yeah. what I think about it. I don't know. Just, you know, what, you know, what are your thoughts on his design? Do you think, you know, do you think he was designed well or, you know, do you think it could have been done a bit better? Uh, Dave, do you want to go with this first? I'll, or, I'll go uh, first. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I agree that he was a little uh, paunchy. Um, it's, it's not <laughs> as evident um, in the small glimpses. It's, it's really in the daylight toward the end of the film that we're getting a, a solid look at Godzilla. And yeah. as long as he's in motion and fighting it's not a big deal um but it's the still shots mm-hmm. it's him i mean arguably the part where godzilla is being triumphant you're like i don't know if that's the godzilla i wanted to see you know yeah, um, so i i yeah i yeah. do see that there was they change it up um the the yeah. I mean, yeah. a large contention of the godzilla um franchise is his increase decrease in mass <laughs> height size yeah. i mean it, it's pretty incredible <laughs> there's a several meters difference between each of the godzillas yeah between the different godzillas yeah i mean i mean it just scales with spectacle we it's like we got to make this more uh well it scales with human technology um building sizes have gotten bigger so yeah yeah godzilla true, has to tower true. over them he needs to also be much bigger much much bigger which really shows off in this film actually because this godzilla is uh i think just over 600 feet tall something like that or was it over 300 what am i talking about 300 yeah 300 600 seems to he wasn't yeah over the buildings he was kind of in the middle no, no. of the buildings yeah the was. very original 1950 court 1954 gojira where he's about 50 60 feet tall that's a Still a pretty big increase. <laughs> oh, it, it's substantial. Um, I mean, we don't see uh, the original Godzilla is basically towering over fishing villages. So huts, you know, you don't yeah, have to make it yeah. that big. My and personal thoughts on yeah, yeah what's, my personal thoughts okay. on that twenty fourteen Godzilla. Um, I, I personally, mm-hmm. for the most part, throughout most of the film, I like the stockier sort of larger overall appearance like i feel it gives him a good sense of weight uh there are certain shots where he just looks quite frankly a little bit ridiculous like uh (laughs) i think it's one of the daylight ones where he's walking away and he's just this perfectly sloped almost triangle going down to a very wide base at the ground and maybe mix it up a little there um my favorite shots of him are the underwater shots where you just see just his back and the dorsal yep. plates rising up. Those are yep, fantastic, fantastic shots. Quibble with him is probably the change to his skin texture, because this Godzilla is very natural and sort of scaled and leathery. Yeah. But the uh, the original Godzilla is horrifically scarred. It's, um, it's a big point of symbolism in the original Godzilla is uh, his skin looks like keloid scars, which are what happens when you get an atomic bomb dropped on you of uh hiroshima and nagasaki in that regard mm-hmm. this one he's just a natural creature 
which, I mean, he looks cool, but I feel it loses some of the symbolism of the potential destruction and devastation of nuclear power. Well, I think that that's one, um, that's an interesting point and one that the Godzilla films in general and other, and other media, um, not really wrestle with, but they, they play with. Mm-hmm. So Godzilla's yeah. symbolism yeah. changes per era. Um, mm. The original yep. films, he's he's cast in the the light of uh, science and as the symbolism for nuclear war. Um, he yep. never really loses that. That kind of that kind of keeps pace, but it uh, it'll change where he's framed as either a protector of Japan. Uh, or just a walking disaster or a force of nature, yeah. which is in this film, he's repeatedly referred to as a force of nature, which I yeah. think and, is going to, yeah. you know, that ties into their design decision to make him a more yeah. natural looking thing. And maybe why he's a little paunchier because he's basically a walking mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's cool. I mean, personally, my favorite Godzilla design is probably the recent Shin Godzilla, but I'm sure we'll get onto that another time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, I th- for that one. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think is it, it also adds because I thought you he always comes across as quite a tired Godzilla in this one. I know mm. he's tired at the end of the fighting, but I think you know he's <laughs> you like you, you definitely get this here. Oh, here I go again sort of vibe from him you know even from the very start that he sort of you know he's he's now you know you know like they said this is you know he's here to restore balance you know which obviously gets repeated quite a few times but you know he's like here you go again you know time for me to get out of retirement and you know and i'm you know in a way that adds to it you know and i'm not trying to trivialize him by saying you know he's got to middle age and he's put a few pounds on but i think but i think it adds to it that you know he's not lean and you know and you know new he's he's battle hardened you know with the scars he's a bit built up you know that you know almost human like that you know you you stock up as you you know as you get older you know to survive longer and you know and it's almost like that's reflective of in in his design you know it could be you know on purpose in that regard so you know maybe i just don't like it but it's just like i get i get the point i do i get the point of it okay yeah I think another um uh, to to speak to that. I mean, he's not framed as Japan specifically mm, in yes. this film. Um, yep. we get we get a little bit of that, but it's not as overt uh, as the earlier yeah. films. He's uh he's honestly a lot more tied to the U.S. with the uh 1954 Bikini Atoll tests apparently being kill him. Yeah, I mean they they do um they do take a big look at that and um that's another large sort of change is where before that those those tests um were framed as maybe a, a creation of Godzilla whereas mm-hmm. this since he's a natural force was a, a blatant man's you know science and mm-hmm. technology trying to control nature as we see um in you know previously in Pacific Rim um this is the flip side of that where all of man's forces don't really have much of an effect and yeah um uh, we didn't really get into it yet but um the muto are our adversary for the film Mm. man's vaunted military and technology pretty much does nothing and we're forced to rely on 
an outside <laughs> mother yeah. nature Godzilla to, to do the work for yeah. us. Yeah. Or in spite I of us, the, really, uh, because Godzilla yeah. cares not for whims of man. <laughs> yeah, I believe the uh, the quote in the film is, uh, the arrogance of man is thinking that nature is under his control or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then our, um, our toward the end of the film, our uh, Dr. Sarazawa, um, the stand-in mm. for Japan, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he literally says, just let them fight. And them it's fight. not, yeah. it's, it's not because to sit back and watch, it's because getting in the middle of that's a bad idea. Yeah, which you know, is going to make it's the It's not working so far, was... let them deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's but, something but, that shows up throughout the film. Oh, do you want to go, Matt? I was, gonna, I was just going to say, it's, it's again, it, it's quite human, isn't it? Where we, we like to get involved because we can't, you know, it's mm. difficult for us to stand by. We feel like we have to be in control of everything, you know, including our environment. And, you know, and like you said, I think it, wanting to get involved and then realizing, oh, no, oh, this is nature. I think at times we, we struggle to understand nature and, and understand that we, we really aren't in control of it. And I think, again, it, it highlights that fact that, like you said earlier, that, there needs to be a you know an external factor coming in to you know to really show us that you're not in control of anything <laughs> you're barely in control of yourselves <laughs> let alone let alone us you know as uh, as forces of nature and and such like but uh, yeah that's all i wanted yeah. to say yeah that that is really sort of hammered in across the film because what i was going to talk about is um every time humanity attempts to interfere in this they just make things worse because <laughs> you know yeah. you have the, the Mudo attacker power plant in uh, Janjira, I think it was, during the prequel when our uh, actual protagonist is a young boy. Um, but then we just decide to study what's going on there for however many years until it gets out of control and the Mudo sort of reintroduced into the world and Godzilla has to come. Has been said, you know, uh, or oh, the Mudo are attracted to radiation. We'll put a nuke on a train, send it out into the bay to attract them all out there, and they will blow it up. Uh, we've made it worse. The Mudo took the nuke and it put it in the middle of the city <laughs> to build a nest with. <laughs> Every time we attempt to interfere in this sort of battle between these two different forces of nature, things just get worse and worse until, uh, mm. as uh, as Dave said, Doctor Zerosawa says. No, just let them fight. <laughs> well, actually, actually, talking of the, the Muto, it, 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 again, the whole nature side of things, I find that compared to what we were saying about Pacific Rim with the the Jaeger, with the kaiju, where they're just being mm. just sent sent down, it, I like the Muto design, the whole male female side of things. I think that was a good, quite a good little touch, where you know, where like I said, the, where they're you know, where they're using the you know the nuclear uh, to you know to to basically breed and such like i think again it showed it is light you know it did it wasn't going these are just aliens from another planet you know it is actually where that you know obviously they are yeah. unnatural but you know the concept is still there like you know that they are going to breed and you know and try and you know take over and 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 go with it but i think i think that really highlights it home actually i thought that was a very good design choice actually yeah definitely and I do like that they went with that avian choice where like the males large, but very much smaller than the female. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, which, um, I mean, you do see a fair bit in nature, but it's more of an insect and a crustacean thing, I think. You know, a lot of times you've got things like uh, in praying mantises and stuff, the female is often far larger than the male, but it really played into this film where the female Mudo is this big, heavy bruiser who's able to sort of take Godzilla on head to head, whereas the male is this little flighty thing that just flies around the city and attacks from behind and sort of attempts to knock Godzilla down so the two of them can just kick him in the ribs, basically, <laughs> for a lot of the film, it feels like. I think is I think as well is that it was I I genuinely thought that the at one point that the female was going to kill the male like you do in nature you know mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's spiders I think you know where they you know they'll kill you know, they'll, they'll, they'll mate and then yeah. and then you know kill the the male I, I you know I I could have seen that happen <laughs> at one mm. point I thought I genuinely thought that may happen but I think you know I think the concept is is definitely there and I think um, and again I think they did it also in a weird way I could be wrong but also to you know, make it the 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 audience feel for the the Muto in a sense that you know what I mean oh, is yeah. that obviously like when you when you know when he he you know it causes the explosion to you know to kill the you know the um what she had laid the you know the eggs that she had laid effectively mm. you know she, and obviously the despair on her face you know uh, you know of a monster but it, you know <laughs> you thought oh you know you actually there was that little part of you that thinks oh that's that's a real shame actually but you know it's it's again humans interfering again. But for the right, re- but you know, but for survival reasons, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the film, I mean, it it went really far um, to to anthropomorphize um, more so than Muto. I'm like you were saying uh, in those small moments, and yeah, I, I definitely I think when the uh, the male Muto gives the um, the the nuclear bomb. At the end, uh, to the uh, female, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, I totally thought, like, oh, she's just gonna crush him or something, and the job's done. Yeah, because obviously yes. she's yeah. already somehow been fertilized. They didn't cover that part. Yeah. I thought, I thought they just meant yeah. that already she's full of eggs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, there's a, there's a few gap. There's a few gaps in a lot of it. I must admit, but we'll go with I it. They, <laughs> I, think, I think they get a tender moment. Some of the, there's, there's that bit where they're sort of just uh, rubbing faces, which I guess mm-hmm. the closest we get to kaiju kissing. Uh, but that's the name of the episode, isn't it? Oh, that's got to be the episode name. <laughs> Kaiju Kissing. Ka- Kaiju Kissing. Oh, I mean, there's like you can you can sense emotion and intent behind not just the Mudo but also Godzilla to uh, at least some degree in this film, which I think is a big plus for it. Like, uh, they're not just these immovable bastions of natural force. They're also still living, thinking things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Matt brought that up perfectly clear when he was, you know, saying that um, Godzilla just is seemed weary, you know, yeah. tired. And uh, I mean, justifiably so, but it's, it's still read very clearly. It wasn't an ambiguous feeling. Oh, no, definitely not. And, I mean, this Godzilla is fairly intelligent as well, which, I mean, most of them are. I mean, in the, you know, in the eras of Godzilla where he's sort of a champion, the people running around, he's obviously intelligent, but you see this one sort of learn throughout its fights as well. Uh, you know, after, I think it's two or three times of the male Mudo attacking it from behind, you know, Godzilla sort of anticipates this happening again and just slams him into the side of the building with his tail and 
you're gone, even if you're something as big as a Mudo. Uh, that was a really. I think the uh, I, th- I think the um, the tiredness does come across even the way he fights as well. That mm. that he, you know he's you know which I know it happens in other films where the, where the good guy gets swarmed and you know to to win in the end. But even the way he takes him out. Like you, like you just described with the ma- the male, he you know it's a, it's effectively a flick of, flick of the tail, and then even yeah. when he comes to to taking out the female with obviously mm. in a very great way, I must admit oh. the way he takes it's fantastic. But it's very very matter of fact. As in, I when I saw it, I was very surprised by it in the sense that it just comes out of no out of nowhere. He's like, come here, opens the mouth, and and obviously <laughs> does the you know the flame breath into. So you oh. know it's very sort of like oh okay, that's it then. He's, like, he's almost like like Godzilla's going. All right, there you go. See you later. I'm off. Bye. <laughs> so, you know, like he just gets. A, I'm going back. Yeah, effectively, like you know, like a weird, like the weariness comes across. Like he's like, okay, I've had enough now. Let's get this done. You know, the, there's no real epic fight in, in that sense. You know, you expect that when when he it was just him and the female that it would probably drag on a bit longer. You know, there would be a bit more to in and throwing, but it was quite done, quite quite finalized. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think which really surprised me actually, but. You know, it's a good design choice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it really worked. Uh, if you're that, he's he's tired. I mean, he mm. literally just collapses post fight. Yeah, like, that yeah. was his last. Like, he's like, I'm gonna, I got one, I got one more round left of me, and we're just gonna, you know, finish this. Um, but uh, I know, I, iconically, um, that the the first charge up of the breath attack, I just oh. in theater, and I was just like, yes, 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 he's great, <laughs> yeah, he's doing yeah. it. When you, you know, when you are, when you first hear that tone, that low tone start to build up, and you just go, oh, oh wait, no, this is the moment. You <laughs> see the sort of the dorsal fins light up, and then there's just this stream of blue fire, and it looks fantastic. It's such a really cathartic moment. It's really fantastic. Exactly, and um, unlike a movie we might cover later, um, he doesn't fly with it, which is cool. Turns <laughs> 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 oh, backwards. But yeah, no, I think it was an uh, an excellent way to to end it, just to a coup de gras. Just here, we're done. Oh uh, yeah, you know, bah. <laughs> and yeah, and incredibly <laughs> tightly, just sort of drop the head in the water almost unceremoniously, and. Just yeah, <laughs> and then just go back for a nap. You know, he did go yeah. back to hibernate. Yeah. Could could be also why he's a little bit chunkier in this one. You know, he was just he's been mm. sleeping it off for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that winter joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably has to be he 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 spends so long in between emergences. It's not it's not. Um, to, to contrast it against the Pacific Rim, um, yeah, these these kaiju are an event that's annual, you know, becoming mm. monthly, monthly weekly, by the end of the daily, film, yeah. hourly. I mean, that's yeah. how it, it's it's a it's a it's a shrinking schedule. Mm. Godzilla yeah, is the great equalizer. I mean, we get fifty years in between when he first showed up and then this time, so. I mean, he would have to have put on a considerable amount of uh, weight yeah. there to 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 just sit in the bottom of the ocean, you know, chilling, not do anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why he's king of the monsters. Yeah, he doesn't need to prove anything. <laughs> <laughs> he goes up every now and again, kicks some ass, and then yeah. goes back to sleep. 
Yeah. It's a one and done. <laughs> um, oh, uh, one, one thing to um, kind of bridge uh, the gap a little more between this and the, the film we'll be talking about next is um, the company Monarch. Um, yes. Yes. So this is the company that um, is, is built to study kaiju. Uh, for yeah. mm. lack of a better term and um the fact that this exists i um i remember watching uh godzilla and i i'll have to go back but i don't recall this being mentioned in any other part of the franchise i think it's i felt like it's a uh, thing yeah if I'm wrong. Uh, started it with 2014 godzilla they're obviously carrying it on with the new kong yeah i think they're trying to build the monsterverse is what they're going to call it um, yes. have like yes. official monster movie universe to set all their films in, which I'm looking forward to, to be honest. Yeah, it's part of the um, the legendary studios who's um, mm. producing these. Uh, but the existence of the company, I mean, I, I just think it's it's great because you get those um, very eccentric characters, um, mm. but that are driven to a specific purpose and trying to prove their point, but still get their budget. <laughs> yes mm, yeah that is a fantastic like it, it's a good contrast like you know we're here to study the biggest and the baddest things no one believes us so we need a reasonable excuse to get our budget <laughs> yeah well, i think it's highlighted more in the when we move on to kong isn't it really because mm. you like i said in godzilla you only get a little mention of monarch you don't you know you have a hint of what whereas obviously in in yeah. kong you get a, an actual oh that is what they definitely do right yeah that makes sense like so yeah, yeah, good good continuity there. Yeah, they um I think the way it's framed is you don't you get an like a taste. You don't really know what they're about um until mm-hmm. do you see the next film in the series. Um but what that does is that makes the second viewing of going back and watching Godzilla again after seeing mm-hmm. Kong um it, it's putting a lot more things in their place and giving more yeah. meaning I think to the film that the directors hopefully intended the first go round, but um, it's benefiting multiple viewings. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. Uh, When we get fully onto Kong, this new Kong movie is technically a prequel to Godzilla 2014, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. In that it's set earlier in the timeline, but also we've got our post uh, post film sort of little teaser which I was the only person in the th- in my theater to stay to watch, but uh, it shows <laughs> it shows sort of a teaser of what Monarch's up to, but also a, a teaser of Godzilla, oh, as well as a sort I, of a uh, I, I missed that on that too, or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So did I sat there for like the full five ten minutes, <laughs> just waiting to see what would happen. It's actually fairly good. It's sort of an interview scene with uh, Tom Hiddleston and the female protagonist from the film that then transitions to sort of uh what am i thinking of the word uh slideshow sort of slideshow shots of uh yeah evidence monarchs being collecting one of which is a cave painting showing possibly what could be interpreted as godzilla and maybe king Ghidorah, which that's a thing for the future but Yeah, no, that's great. I uh, yeah. I, I um, knew that they were going to do something. I I think they may have just been tired that day, and I, I watched the first yeah. part of the credit sequence, and I was like, you know what? I'll I'll 
this will benefit a future viewing. I'll go see this again and then yeah. stay yeah. in the credits. Yeah. Well, it's worked for Mar- it's worked it's worked for Marvel, isn't it? So. Oh yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> Uh, do we have anything else uh, to cover? I think we we kind of think we did Godzilla's due due diligence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or yeah. I mean, to tie something in our earlier on when we were talking about Leatherback for Pacific Rim, Matt, you mentioned that uh, that sort of ties into Godzilla a bit. Uh, to clarify, yeah. that is the Mudo also uh, an electromagnetic yes. pulse whenever they move, uh, yes. which makes makes them a little more difficult to deal with for our modern society, obviously. Yes. Um, uh, just tying up loose ends there. Yep. I agree. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. uh, really. Uh, we covered the Mudo pretty well. There. Um, I guess uh, for any listeners who are listening to this and hadn't watched Godzilla, um, <laughs> they're <clears throat> giant avian kaiju, roughly this. Oh, the the male is a little bit bigger than a fighter plane. Yeah, a bit uh, bigger. A yeah. Female, maybe three times that size. Yeah, yeah they're, they're both pretty big. Uh, both tiny compared to Godzilla, obviously. Yeah. But uh... yeah, <laughs> the, the female was the the three fourths the size of Godzilla, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think if she could if she could go on on hind legs, she would have probably been almost as tall as him. She's sort of more squats and because she's on all fours. So I think if you include yeah. her length, she would probably almost be on par with him. She just yeah, she's on her front legs basically. I mean, this. Uh, I mean, we talked about Godzilla being chunky earlier, but there is this massive difference in sheer mass between the Mudo and Godzilla. Like, Godzilla probably weighs ten times as much as the male, and probably five to six times more than the female, just on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a we, we see that when you're kind of watching like the the the, the fights, and he's using his tail. Mm. It's, it's sending them flying. Oh yeah. So I mean, the the weight classing is definitely a, a thing. It's two featherweights versus a heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> For most of the film. Yeah. Tag I mean, team. Did team. pretty well. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, they yeah. definitely did well. Uh, couldn't win in the end, unfortunately. <laughs> For the <laughs> more fortunately, I think it would have been bad if Godzilla uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. win. <laughs> Maybe, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but shall we move on to Kong Skull Island? Let's yes, let's do it. So, Kong Skull Island. Um, this came out uh, to date the podcast, um, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, who do we have a director for this? Who directed this? Uh, oh, Christ. You should look this up. <laughs> yeah, I should have really. I ha- I've had Wikipedia pages open for both Godzilla yeah. and Pacific Rim. I didn't open one for Kong. <laughs> it's Jordan directed by Jordan Vogt Robot Ro- Roberts Vogt yeah, Roberts Vogt yeah. I, so, I think it's, that's, Ger- that's German I think isn't it yeah um, that's German yeah. yeah he's very bearded yes he is <laughs> seeing his interviews uh, he looks like he and Josh might be friends yeah I'll say Brothers, brothers from another mother, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah, and uh, I'd say I'd say he did fairly well with his uh, major film, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. So it's. I think it's surprisingly good film, actually. Mm. I think it's actually again one of those where you know because I when I 
you know, spoken to friends and they said, oh, have you seen it? And they're obviously making, they're comparing it to the, the Jack Black <laughs> King mm. Kong. Um, oh, yeah, it, Peter Jackson's 2005 one, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, th- it, I think it's uh, it's one of those which it could have been a bit of bit run of the mill, but I think overall yeah. it's actually a very good film, actually. I think it's definitely worth a watch, you know, considering how new it is. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I definitely love the film. Uh, there are a few instances where I thought the dialogue was uh, pretty bad. There's yeah. some bits that don't seem super well written, but as a whole... A super super cool super fun movie um i really dug the dug the uh 70s aesthetic i don't know about dave uh this one i mean i i enjoyed the fact that is it's basically apocalypse now mashed up with king kong and they didn't go wrong with oh i didn't even think of the apocalypse now thing oh yeah no definitely yeah i can see that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're hitting that heart of darkness, Joseph Conrad stuff, mm. pretty hard in this film. Yeah, yeah. You have um the 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 basic um uh Captain Ahab archetype mm. with uh, Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. character, which he 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 doesn't over. He just Samuel L. Jacksoned the character. Yeah, <laughs> <very well. laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. No, so this uh, this movie, our basic premise is uh, Monarchs back at it again in a prequel, uh, attempting to get funding for a trip to an uncharted island in the. Uh, is it actually in the Bermuda Triangle, or is it just like the Bermuda? No, Triangle? it's it's, it's like, like it's likened like to like into it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know this island. Yeah, it's close to Saipan. Um, our uh, it, it's in ah, okay. uh, Southeast Asia. Ah, yeah, that makes a lot more sense then. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the idea is that, you know, it's the 70s, we're in the thick of the Cold War, and satellite mapping has revealed this previously undiscovered island. There've, there have been rumours of and Monarch's been picking up on, but uh, no one's ever... Uh, and, uh, and Monarch hitches a ride on an expedition, I think. Yep, they do. Yes, they, they bully their way, I guess. <laughs> Calling some favours yeah. to a politician. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got to get things done. Uh, but this island is a fantastic environment for monsters, apparently, because this movie is pretty full of them. Yeah, it is, actually. I think, I think in, in some ways, it, it almost it on almost on level with Kong. I think the actual, you know, the mm. even the, the you know, the, rep, the monsters, sort of the local wildlife, really, in some ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, um, you know, it's... It really does. They've gone to town with that in a way, actually, and I think you know it's actually some very strong representation in that regard as well. I think that they, mm. rather than just sort of just normal, you know, having a few birds, having a few lo- you know local wildlife, they've actually made them unique in their own way. And obviously, you can see where they're a twist on conventional. You know, you've got the one that looks obviously like a, a bison. You know, that's obviously a mm. but. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think luckily they managed to get the line right because it's, it's, you know, if I'm using that example, it, it, it almost looks like they've got a bison, and you know, where they've got it as an experiment with, you know, when in on other media where you get an animal that's combined with nuke, you know, has nuclear uh, sort of, um, you know, contact, and it just, you know, it just 
just goes in you know goes bigger in size and such like you know it could have been a bit yeah. bit silly but it wasn't to be fair i think you know i think the they got that just right where it plays nicely into the story but you know it, it didn't get too silly so i think they did well on that yeah i um going into this movie i i went in blind i i don't even think i saw a trailer i was like i'm just going to go watch king kong and then, um <laughs> what really surprised me um what wasn't the inclusion of the other monsters which was a a pleasant surprise i was expecting king Mm -hmm. kong and then i don't know what else is going to happen you know Um, they they definitely took that ball and ran with it um but but no but what surprised me was the movies in in the u.s rating system is a pg-13 um watching the movie this was an r (laughs) it's very violent very graphic and it didn't do yep. the movie a disservice. I, I think that they were fine no. with what they had, and I wonder what they had to cut out to to and keep it at that PG, lower rating. Technically, yeah. <laughs> I want to well, see a director's cut for this. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they definitely so, yeah. they definitely you could see where they've toned it up, but they they were quite clever with it. Hmm. One of the scientists is being taken away by the birds or the bird-like creatures, and you see his arm getting severed off by the you know use it by the bill of what you know one of those sort of creatures but obviously they've done it where it's not gory because they've done it in this in the shadow of the sun so all you see yeah. is the black outline you know it, it goes right through his arm which you know which obviously looks gory but they sort of mm-hmm. you know i think that's how they managed to get around it those you know, little tweaks which make it not so gory and also the um the one with the the sort of spider like you know in the trees oh, the spider, spider. I mean that's that I that bit I I was not expecting at all where it, you know puts its leg through his mouth effectively. I, yeah, I mean it uh, tent pulled him. Yeah, 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 basically. But again, yeah. it was done. It wasn't done overly gory. Obviously, it was quite a horrific scene. But I think mm-hmm. that's how they managed to get around they, it. They but. didn't linger. It was a brief shot. And um, what, yeah. what's interesting is that echoes um scenes and box art from um i want to say it's cannibal holocaust or cannibal ferox it's a 70s um italian like schlock films Mm -hmm. Um, but they they're they're taking a lot of sources and and again i think uh, apocalypse now and some some more films but they're they're paying homage to a bunch of little things which is great because Mm. that gives the audience something to look forward to for repeated viewings it gives you a reason to come back and watch it again um yeah. aside from it being a stellar film yeah would uh come back and watch just for the scene of the uh the two pilots the american pilot and the japanese pilot on the beach sort of <laughs> having this almost comedic fight right yeah. after the planes have both crashed <laughs> oh exactly uh, and then we get the first um glimpse of uh kong there right kong. In, the, uh, in the beginning and it's it's clear Take that he's show him a little bit right larger than he was last time <laughs> yeah I think I, I saw um, I think I saw a scale comparison, and I think Peter Jackson's Kong comes up to about his knee, <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was surprised how early you saw a glimpse of him. Again, contrasting some of the other films like like Godzilla, where you don't really see him for a while or anything. You actually see Kong, even though you don't see that much of Kong, you see him quite early compared to other films. And you know, I thought I thought I must admit when after that little scene the with the two pilots fighting. I must admit, my heart did drop slightly because I thought, oh, is it not? It's not going to be silly, is it? You know, where they, I mean, it's got to have a little bit of humor, but I thought, oh, is it not? 
but but they definitely make up with it because there's definitely some scenes you know even like when when you first meet kong properly when he's taking out the helicopters that was oh. fantastic that was fantastic that, that bit. is an amazing the, scene it really is you know with this slow motion um you know with the trees you know it's just very well done really well done i must admit that was you did not see that coming i mean you knew something was going happen soon when they got through the you know that fog part but uh, the storm but yeah. that was very well done you know very very st- stylish but in a good way mm-hmm. yeah i'm for sure I, I one thing that's super interesting is for something so large to remain so hidden in the middle of a battle like the, those hel- that's helicopters, <laughs> they have a pretty good aerial view. They kept losing sight. Yeah, but it was it was you know it was framed in a way that you could see that it's that kind of fog of war. You don't know what's going on, but yeah. um, it was very effective in making this almost a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, suspenseful. They, I, mean, I mean, at least to to say the least. Yeah, yeah. You get a sense Actually, of scope and a sense of like, stakes and vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that uh that giant monster is almost invisible thing happened in uh, Godzilla too. You know, he just pops up occasionally, and no one seems to have noticed he's shown up <laughs> until yeah. the tail goes over and stuff like that. Uh, but no, that particular sequence was thing. <laughs> yeah, it just was Kong taking oh. on a fleet of helicopters. <laughs> but it's also done in a way where. It was stylish in the sense that he he what even though even though he was being quite brutal, he was being quite clever with it as well. You know the fact yeah. that rather than him just being a a you know a Hulk you know Hulk mm. smash situation, the fact he you know he threw the palm tree and you know he and you know it was just cleverly done. It was actually showing you know he's been there for a while, but he's not yeah. stupid. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to protect himself and he, and and you know the island itself. So I know I think they. They, they, and and also you see that later as well, you know, with the, you know, the later mm-hmm. fights with the, uh, oh, yeah. you know, the, you know, he's he's not he's not stupid, which is yeah, again, you know, well yeah, done. This definitely, yeah, this definitely shows off uh, how smart Kong can be. I reckon this film does. I, I mean, he he is framing this island um, clearly as his home, his his turf. I mean, he's using the environment to his advantage mm. but as his weapon yeah and i think that that's yeah. really neat he feels right at home on the island as well there's a there's a point slightly later in the film where uh kong is in a lake and uh is attacked by a giant octopus and uh i had this moment of oh there's going to be a big fight no kong just grabs a tentacle steps on its head and pulls it apart and starts eating it he's just having a snack like he is <laughs> here he is completely calm and relaxed in his own personal kingdom yeah if anything i mean it seems like that which happened a few times um that gives you or the audience a much better sense um of kong i think than godzilla did for godzilla mm. I mean, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, we, you know, we talked about it a little bit. You get that sense of tiredness, that weariness is, you know, the thing that goes through and, you know, levels the the field. Um, mm-hmm. Kong doesn't. That's not his role. You know, no, he's no. he's the king, 
that just kind of chills out and then takes care of business when he needs to. But he doesn't ever seem tired. I don't, no, I don't no. feel that weariness. There's not like a resignation. He's just like there to do his thing. Well, they, they, they admit that in the film, I think, as well, that they say he's he's not even fully grown at that stage. Do you see him in the film? Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, the, you see the, uh, you know, the remains of his parents, but you can tell he's still quite young at that point. Mm. Obviously, I, d- I don't know how young, but, you know, it shows that he, you know, he's still learning. You know, he's almost like, like you can tell he's almost like a young adult. You know, where he's, st- he's getting, you know, he's just past sort of teenage where, you know, he's growing, but he's not, you know, and he's getting more experience, you know, he's, he, and, but he's not quite there yet. You know, he's sort of almost getting there. So I think they, they deliberately did that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, they, they, with this being set as a prequel to Godzilla, or at least that timeline, um, it, he's not the size at that point that would match up to what we see as Godzilla. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, they kind of had to go, Hey, he's not done growing yet. He's going to be bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, this, this Kong is in the vicinity of about 120 feet, which puts him at about a third of Godzilla's size comparatively. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's astounding. He's, he's very big in this movie. Yeah, um, um, he's massive in this movie. Yeah. But and Godzilla we never is saw, we don't there, really apparently. see Godzilla next to people. No, no. I mean, next to buildings, yes. But this, you're getting mm. Kong next to helicopters, next to ships, next to you know people holding them in, their, in his hand. There's a clear yeah. sense of scale. Yeah, mm. and um, even you know doubling his size, it's it's like mind-boggling oh, which I, yeah. what I love about these films is this just sense of scale and when they can yeah. really you know when that really hammers home when you realize just how big these things are yeah yeah um i watched an interview with the director and someone asked why did you make kong so big like is it to potentially fight godzilla at some point he went no 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 uh we got the basic design down and then we kept scaling him up until i looked at an image of him and went okay, that's big enough that the first thing you see when you think is, this is a god. Mm-hmm. This is the king of wherever it is. Like, that sense of scale is intended to sort of induce just awe and reverie whenever you look at him walk into view. And I think it works. <laughs> oh, it <definitely laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, going back to that scene where he's with the squid, I mean, that's, that's the kind of feeling you get is he the effort he put into that was secondhand he's just like oh i'm just reaching up to get an apple oh. or something <laughs> getting some calamari for dinner yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no he's story. certainly uh his uh sort of own effortless power within uh within the island although there are there are certain forces at work giving him a run for his money every now and again Exactly, and that brings us to the Skull Crawlers, as they're mm. so aptly named. I don't even think that's aptly. That's just what he came up with, Mister John uh, C. Riley. I mean, they, the best yeah. actor in the film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. Amazing. I love yeah. him so much. <laughs> but you, you can definitely see though the Skull Crawlers look well to me anyway. They look very similar to them in Godzilla. There's definitely, I definitely get that vibe about. They're sort of that sort of where they're. Uh, you know, sim- similar sort of, you know, facial 
look to them. Even their claws are very similar. Not not entirely, but you, I definitely but, got I that mean, vibe by them. Very reptilian mm. in nature, as opposed to Kong, who is a giant gorilla. Clearly, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I really like the uh, the skull crawlers overall design. I think the uh, their skull is basically exposed, which is part of why they're called that. But it's really interesting because you get to see sort of all the nasal cavities and stuff uh, that make them look so sort of gaunt and terrifying. It's actually it's, a very nice sort of design to just be able to see the intricacies of the head. Exactly, and that sort of slightly plays in with what I said earlier about it being sort of slightly horror-like in some ways because, mm. you know, it, and, and I think that's sort of a theme, a theme throughout the whole uh, film, really, where you get these sort of, you know, you get these moments with, especially with the soundtrack, you know, the soundtrack's very prominent in this film compared to others, you know, obviously playing a lot of these, the music of the time, you know, this sort of happy-go-lucky and then bang, something bad happens or, you know, and I yeah, think that's yeah. sort of the, what they were going for. And again, the same with the skull, you know, skull crawlers that they, you know, they wanted to have some sort of visual look on them saying look these don't these don't muck around you know and obviously they you know they they did sort of hype up the what's going to be the big one in the end which obviously are the the, the mother one which you know you could see coming but you know it's uh it they definitely have that sort of impact on them you know almost look at you know where where, like i said because they're a skull you don't really see that they're soulless you know you don't they've got nothing to them you know which is which is scary you know that's a scary way of doing things so yeah i definitely think there's a slight horror element to it yeah, it feels like with the monsters in this, um, aside from Kong, uh, they don't have that sense of emotion that we got from like the Muto. Say, yeah, um, everything yeah, well, is mean... just it's existing in its own ecosystem, and man being dwarfed, you know, immeasurably by pretty much everything in there d- doesn't belong in that. Yeah, place. yeah, yeah. Part of it is a lot of the uh, the quote unquote monsters in this movie are just animals living their lives. There's yeah. no sort of the uh, the giant stick insect, which is mistaken for a fallen tree at one point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just stands up and then sees something dangerous and just sort of backtracks its way out very quickly. It's not interested in being a monster. No, you know, it's interested in living its life undisturbed. It's just another animal living in this monstrous island <laughs> but again it highlights the what we said you know in comparison with with godzilla where you see humans shouldn't be involved in things and it's almost like the you know in 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 kong the the locals you know they 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 know where the boundaries are they you know they worship kong you know and they stay away from the skull callers it's you know it's the known thing whereas you know you know whereas in contrast with godzilla you know, people are getting involved, but then I suppose in, in Kong, people are getting involved. The soldiers and monarch are there where they shouldn't be, and obviously mm-hmm. they they face consequences of it. And again, I think it's it's that underlying theme: humans don't get involved with nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or at least not to a destructive degree. I mean, they're they're no. not there for peace. They're not there to even just to study. You know, no, I mean, it's a it's a it's a cash grab. It's a way to capitalize on nature or yeah. you know uh even like native tribes that colonialism i mean that's that's mm-hmm. a theme that's in a lot of the kaiju films as well and it's it's no yeah. less prevalent here um i mean it, it, it's set post vietnam war 
So yeah, you're right at the end of the they're day, hammering they're that one home too. Yeah. And I mean, like <laughs> dropping bombs all over the place to ostensibly map it out. Uh, and there's just a great shot of the pilot with this sort of fixed grin, this sort of manic grin, and yeah, all you can see, you can't see his eyes. He's just got these hyper-reflective uh, sunglasses, aviator yeah. Yeah. glasses on, yeah. And it's sort of that idea of reveling in this destruction of nature, which is immediately contrasted with Kong throwing a palm tree through the cockpit, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it highlights that get you. Like, you know, if you act mm. arrogant and think you you know you own the place, you know you'll uh, yeah. you'll get your comeuppance at the end, yeah, which is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that that's another um, uh, aspect of the film that I don't I don't know if it surprised me, but th- there's not really any safe characters. No, everyone. No. It, it felt like watching Aliens, like the second one. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. Are in any one place they shouldn't be doing time. something they probably shouldn't be doing, trying to study something they yeah. probably shouldn't be studying, and they don't fare well. Yeah, they really don't. And unfortunately, there's quite a few likable characters that don't make the cut. Um, uh, I think for yeah. audience attachment reasons, like the captain mm. who was uh with by the giant walking stick that I was. I was actually like upset about that part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they spend the whole movie ribbing on his letters. You know, everyone calls him dear Billy. Dear Billy. Yeah. Cause he's always, he's always writing to his wife and kid and they really build him up. They're like, Oh, I hope he makes it through the movie. He does not make it through. The movie. Uh, no, no, he, get, he gets killed off far too easily. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it was a shame. Cause like I said, you could see him almost Tom Hiddleston, you know, that sort of character where he's gonna, you know, he's going to be there at the end, saving the day. He'll sac- similar to what that the other soldier who sacrifices himself it needs oh the worst um, part <laughs> so yeah, bad. it was i felt i felt so bad with that yeah it was you know it, you felt like that at least um was it chapman i think chapman was his name wasn't he uh, uh it was yeah. cole I've, I've got the wikipedia up i think it was cole so sorry i meant the the one the one that we oh. they got killed off needlessly. The the, the yeah, one, yeah. The, the dear Billy one is Chapman, I think. And yeah, you know, it, like I said, you could Chapman, see yeah. him doing, you know, not not as not as brash as as Cole did it, but you think he you know mm-hmm. he would do something, you know, sacrifice or at least something. But he, you know, but then to be fair, I think that's a good thing sometimes where they do that sort of thing because I think sometimes things do get a bit predictable. So I think maybe that's where you know it's almost with um uh, with John Goodman's character as well. That yeah, you you could see him getting killed off. I, that didn't surprise me. But again, he got killed off quite easily. Like you know, he just went, mm. oh here we go, he's dead now. You know, it's sort of like oh okay, <laughs> work your way uh, through. Yeah, yeah. They, they did a lot of uh, red herrings. I think in the film, a mm. lot of things were yeah, to, to yeah. subvert expectations. So you see, um, the I want to say it's the captain. He's um, he arrives at the little lake, and you see the squid mm. tentacles in the water, and you're going, oh, it's going to get him. Or something, you know, something's gonna happen. Yeah. And yep. that gets flipped on its head because Kong shows up and just dispatches mm. the squid. Yep. Then you get the walking yeah. stick part, and I'm going, maybe he scared it off. And no. He did not scare <laughs> it off. <laughs> Turns around. <laughs> but at the same um, time, it's it's nice to have attachments to these characters because you you're oh, you're yeah. more invested in the film. Oh, Which, definitely, yeah. definitely. That uh, I'd say a strength of the film is that 
characters have this at least one likable quality to them. Like everyone stands out just enough that you don't quite forget anyone and you kind of like everybody at least a little bit. Which I think contrasts to Godzilla because mm. personally I didn't really care about any of the humans in Godzilla, really. I, yeah. I don't think, you know, they were, they were quite, you know, I mean, t- um, the father, was it Brian Cranston, he, he, you know, his mm. character to a degree because you felt sorry for him, but everyone else including you know, and you know, you didn't really care about them. There's nothing wrong with them, but there was nothing about them that sort of, even yeah. though, which is quite ironic, considering they did focus on the human element a lot in that film, where you know, mm. where, you know, almost Godzilla takes second place for a lot. Of that, that that they didn't, you know, they weren't particularly strong human characters. Where in in this one, ironically, even though you do see a good bit of Kong and such like, they're actually quite strong. So you know, which makes it overall a better film, I think. It's certainly more enjoyable. I mean, I, I I would watch Kong more often or sooner mm. again than yeah. I, I was perfectly fine with seeing Godzilla once every five years. You know, so yeah, it wasn't a yeah. big deal. Is that your schedule? Right. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I must watch it every five years. Yeah, every five years, but thankfully, there's you know another forty Godzilla movies to watch in the meantime. Oh yeah, yeah, plenty of movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can definitely see myself watching uh watching this new Kong movie a fair few times once it comes definitely. out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Which, at the rate things go now, should be in about a month and a half, two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's happens. about right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of different uh creatures on the island we've got the uh the birds with saw beaks for some godforsaken reason the, the they're, they're, they're almost, there, i think they're almost they're almost like pterodactyls aren't they really? yeah yeah definitely di- uh, dinosaur uh god uh there is there is that terrifying moment where i think it's samuel l jackson shoots one. Oh yeah and so then the, tree. the entire tree just goes <laughs> up and you're like oh i thought that was an actual tree yeah <laughs> yeah not only that but like, i thought it was gonna swarm them and then just yeah, buzzsaw people that, that was my immediate thought as well yeah they they used it effectively but, uh, because you're just like really worried about that part um yeah but at the same time it didn't feel like it, pay, it feels like it was just a a blank round like it didn't pay off um but then we do see it pay off with the guy on the boat oh yeah so. later on in the film yeah. yeah yeah um we also have our bamboo spider which was the honestly the most unexpected design in the film for me i was yeah. it, I, I didn't expect there to be a monster in that sequence and then suddenly you see the bamboo moving and one guy just gets yeah that's fantastic <laughs> yeah I... also the, the other guy gets caught up in the web and being he's pulled up to it and mm-hmm. you're just like it's like a daddy long yeah. lens or something but it's oh god horrific like i don't want to get that yeah. close mm-hmm. to it keep yeah. it up in the you know at the top yeah. of the, the leg stocks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm friends with Daddy Longlegs. Those guys are fine. That thing is a uh, that thing is not fine. <laughs> well, I suppose you're used to all sorts out there, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Daddy well, I mean, nothing to you, probably. <laughs> I've seen a redback lift a six-inch skink off the ground and kill and eat it. So Daddy Longlegs are fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's how we got rid of our foosball table. Couldn't have that anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll do monsters in our backyard. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yes. out here and get some scorpions rolling up. Yeah. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah. 
and we've got uh oh we've got we've mentioned the uh the stick insect that looks like a log uh, yeah. it's not so much a monster as it just kind of tootles off trying to save its own hide uh <laughs> um we've got skull crawlers i think that's most yeah 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 for their for their origins we get um this movie and presumably godzilla um kind of takes the hollow earth theory or at least aspects of it so these monsters they're not not um like the, the kaiju in pacific rim they're not coming from another dimension they're they're from earth just <clears throat> somewhere <throat> yeah. deep within the core or within the ground um yeah i think that that's really interesting because it gives you that idea maybe maybe that's where godzilla is hibernating mm. you know he's not i don't imagine he's like can breathe water i don't think he's you know yeah perfectly he has water. Gills. i think he's a lizard that does yeah uh, he does have gills yeah uh i don't know if they're 100 percent effective but in the actually uh it's the shot where he destroys the uh the san francisco bridge is because he gets shot in the gills and actually collapses onto it as part of his design it's uh they're very hard to see Oh, which I'll is uh, part of that design that I also don't that like. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. They, they just look like uh, they just look like large flat scales on the side of his neck, but they are a weak point. They're just kind of hard to see against the rest of his design. Oh, interesting. Good to know. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, this uh, this this hollow earth theory uh, is actually pretty interesting because it lets them from out of the ground yeah well i mean it creates a whole other <laughs> ecosystem um and yeah. again provides that giant variety that we get um with with the uh the kaiju from pacific rim with 50 yeah. different kaiju. yeah you can have anything can be, yeah you mm. know, made much larger and more frightening but then you have the idea like the skull crawlers aren't um you don't look at them and go oh that's based off of something it, it, they're more like a, a chimera or an amalgam yeah. yeah. So it's, what yeah, else some... is there? You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have a few clues as to what might be down there. Uh, I've pulled up the Wikipedia page. Uh, the post-credit sequence uh, shows archive footage of cave paintings depicting Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Yeah. I'll be down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Which makes sense. When you, <laughs> we have the classic um, Monster Island is mm. a, a mainstay from the godzilla franchise um yeah and i would be excited to see mothra again <laughs> oh yes yeah i'm, I'm personally i kind of want to see how they try and do a more realistic king Ghidorah because that's a that's a pretty difficult design to make look uh, the more naturalistic route they're taking with the newer monsters <laughs> yeah i think the three heads is going to be tough uh but mm. uh, it's an awesome design absolutely uh... and hopefully they don't go the robot route <laughs> Well, uh, well, please, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> I mean, hey, they got to build giant robots to fight giant monsters, right? Exactly. And they've uh, done it before. <laughs> yeah, they've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Mecha got but, uh, Hey, it happened. It happens. <laughs> so, I mean, sort of the majority of the movie is uh, these guys trying to just sort of cross the island and uh, make their way out but we do end up with a pretty lengthy sort of climax sequence when uh 
becomes completely determined to kill Kong and sort of sets a lake on fire. Yeah. <laughs> sort of beginning the end sequence of the film. Uh, I personally really liked that scene. It had really good lighting and everything, but mm-hmm. it, this great image of Kong just standing there in this lake and Samuel L. Jackson just watching him burn. Kind of like, it's not going to last. Just move. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Get out of there. <laughs> I think it was good having a, 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 a con. Uh, it's good having a con. The uh, the two groups, you know, where you got the soldiers and and you know and basically Hom, you know Tom Hiddleston and and mm. the you know the scientists and the you know the reporter and such. Like I think it was a good con, you know good little where they kept switching between the two of them, but it didn't feel cheesy. You know the fact that they no. were sort of going between the two and, and you know being their stereotypes you know and such like i think it was that was well done actually and i think that like i said when it comes to that where they eventually meet up you know that sort of you know works quite well actually but i think the the whole samuel jackson thing is again i think showing arrogance human arrogance as well you know i did it's again to show we can we you know the the sort of almost the evil side of of us you know that we will try and you know take out you know and sort of take it out and think about it afterwards even though there was no real reason to really see that Kong is just protect it was you know almost self-defense really you know, with the, with the, with the helicopters but you know they he obviously didn't see it that way and he's almost that blinkered vision you know mm-hmm. but then i suppose because i suppose he's put he's post-war as well isn't he so i suppose yeah. that um you know again it could be highlighting the that you get a bit um you know that mindset kicks in really you know once you're once you're in the the killing mode you know it sort of takes over a bit yeah and i think it was a good counterpoint to the rest of the film um so the entire time we're kind of seeing man versus nature but then that that sequence there is man versus man and you mm, have yeah. kind of classic mexican standoff which um was great it was really <laughs> well and you're definitely yeah. n- personally not not at any point was i actually ever rooting for samuel L. jackson i was going i think he's just oh, doing God, this yeah. all kind of wrong mm-hmm. but but you understand him at least that and that's what makes yeah, a good yeah. villain yeah i mean he has a motive and it's clear uh it may not uh, be yeah. correct um but you see what he's trying to do and he thinks he's doing right yeah um, yeah and, and because of that i mean the character is done well yeah, exactly. And he, it definitely came across that he was doing it for to, to get revenge for his his men that he lost, as opposed to protecting the outside outside world. I know there was a slight yeah. element of that. He does mention that that um, you know we're we're we do our you know as soldiers we do our job, so you know people back home don't have to experience any of this. But you could tell he was doing it more for his men, which is quite admirable. Again, wrong reasons, but you know an admiral you know it's sort of that bit conflicted you know where you you want to hate him but there's that part of you that doesn't hate him well i mean that's even evident just in his men i mean the the loyalty that he inspires even for characters um the name escapes me but there's the younger soldier who was Mm, with the other group and saw everything they saw about kong and still was willing just to do what um the uh, general said he was just going to go along with it, and I don't know if it's because he agreed with it, following orders, a combination of those things, but 
you know, he did have his, of course, like second thoughts, which mm. adds tension to the scene. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unceremoniously squashed uh, by Kong <laughs> at one point. Because <laughs> Kong doesn't care about people. No, no, not at all. Unless, unless you're female. Well, Kong cares. Yes. <laughs> he cares about some people, but the ones that are yeah. trying to murder him, no, not so much. Yeah. No, definitely doesn't have any, uh, any sympathy to spare for them. I mean, he's been protecting this sort of native civilization here his whole life as well, so... Yeah, well, I mean, There's I think he's, going it's, on it's his idea of if he's a king, I don't think, you know, he may not see that particularly as his mm. subjects, but they're things that are not as strong as other stuff. And he recognizes yeah. that on some level. Yeah. And just, Definitely. you know, dispenses his, his version of justice. There's a pretty extreme version of justice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, given the uh, scale, he's probably just like, oh, I'm just going to swat a fly, you know, it's not... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not the same reasoning. I mean, you're looking mm. at it, he's ginormous, and he's... It's the opposite. It's Everything to him is that, you know, micro-size. So... Yeah, yeah. Why are, you know, his concerns are lesser about those things. Mm, definitely. Uh, and we do end up with a pretty fantastic fight scene, at least in uh, my opinion, uh, with Kong against a giant skull crawl that's sort of hinted earlier in the movie by... Uh, what was the character? Uh, by... Uh, John C. Riley's character? John, uh, I've lost yeah. the name. I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, his name, uh, his name was... Hank. Okay, Hank Marlowe. Hank, yeah, Hank John C. Riley's character yeah. sort, of, sort of implies early on that Kong doesn't have trouble if skull claws wake up as long as he gets them while they're small. Small, yeah. Somewhere out there is the big one that killed his parents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it shows up right in time for the end of the movie, and this is a pretty awesome fight. It's it's more of a chase, almost. Yeah. It shows up right after Samuel L. Jackson injures Kong. Yeah, and, and I, mean, it, I, I do the, the fight itself involves kong the skull crawler and the people so you're kind of seeing all the the gamut the range of everyone that you're dealing with in the film yeah and i think that's effective and unlike the sort of final just abrupt ending in godzilla this went on satisfyingly long but this one fight felt like what almost 10 minutes it was probably yeah 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 I mean, especially um, for me, for me personally, the whole thing where he was using the chain fist with the yeah. with the, uh, yes. with the, 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 the you know the rope, rope propeller was fantastic. I mean, that was. I mean, again, let's be honest, that is a bit Jaeger-like, isn't it? Really, the fact that you got oh, a weapon no, on, the, on the you know that was that was deliberate, or at least a, a homage to <laughs> it. That was that was fantastic. I mean, I think that you know that again. What I said earlier in Pacific Rim with the you know when you. Uh, when you're looking at the pilots and you, they're actually punching, and then obviously the Jaeger punches, it was all that similar sort of thing. When you when you see him when he's got it wrapped around his fist, like yeah, I know what's going to happen now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on, hit him. <laughs> so, no, it's very well done. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it uh, it provides something interesting in considering where they're potentially taking this um, this franchise and making this a combination. You know, Godzilla with king kong versus king kong you know i don't know how they're going to spin it 
but yeah king kong even at this younger version seems more competent as a fighter because he's yeah. that's what he does he's cons- constantly mm-hmm. doing this he's not in a soft world he's not just chilling no, in the no. ocean and popping up every you know so many years to deal with trouble he's in the mix yeah yeah and it, yeah, yeah it, it keeps him fresh you know yeah for yeah sure. yeah yeah it's it, yeah exactly i think that like i said it's almost like godzilla is a bit like the old timer that sort of sort of comes out you know stretches off like right you know and has to sort of get back up to speed with things whereas like i said kong is sort of in the motion all the time so he's he's constantly adapting you know he's he's obviously like, learned about, you know, about the palm trees he's learned you know it, uh, you know he's learned how to use the you know that chain and and propeller yeah, and such yeah. like you know it's you know that's yeah big contrast there yeah contrast hey <laughs> oh that's that could be another name of the podcast oh, the name oh, of the episode <laughs> could be yeah <laughs> all right do we have any um final thoughts on this one i don't want to go too long in the tooth um i like this i like this movie i like um like matt was saying like how it shows kong is always kong is very smart in this movie he's always learning and adapting especially during the fights uh overall really fantastic movie really fantastic kong i think he looks really great in this movie um yeah i love it (laughs) yeah i agree yeah yeah i agree with cameron i think that it it, it's one that was the style of it was done well i think that they it could have gone it could have been comedic you know i know it does have its fun slightly funny could have gone too much the other way it didn't it you know it, it was it was very stylish and and i think it's almost put kong across as not just a dumb ape which I think some people would probably, you know, people that either watch God's, um, watch Kong or, you know, have not a bit of knowledge about King Kong is they, you know, he comes across as just a, you know, smash things, big ape, and he, he really isn't. So I think he's probably, you know, got a lot of people now that like, you know, will like his sort of character. I think this movie, you know, really does portray that really well. I think overall it's done very well, especially compared to Godzilla in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, and I, I do think that, as they're lending that um, gravitas, that kind of emotionality to Godzilla, they're doing the same thing with Kong, and that's doing the series. I mean, just a, a great service. You know, you're 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 making these characters characters and not just characters of a, like an idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well done. <laughs> well done to the director. <laughs> All right, I think uh, I think we covered what we wanted to cover. Um, mm-hmm. yep. We'll look forward to future monster films in the next and coming mm-hmm. episodes. Yep. Uh, where can we find you guys on the internet if someone wants to contact you? Uh, Matt, you go first. <laughs> um, well, I'm all about Twitter, really. So my handle's at Ninja Badger Seven, the number seven. So um, I'm the only one there, the only Ninja Badger around that ca- that counts. So <laughs> that's where you can get me. Yeah, um, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Knight underscore Twitten. That's a Knight without a K. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hit me up. I'm not going to put my email out for, the, for all the internet. But uh, yeah, no, if you've got any questions or comments, feel free. Yeah, absolutely. And, um... 
You can find me at sentianot underscore plus on Twitter and the podcast itself um, on Twitter at mon underscore demonster. Um, we would love to hear comments, um, questions, uh, constructive mm-hmm. criticism. That would be great. Um, <laughs> and we'll yeah. look forward to providing uh, similar content in the future. With that, uh, have a great day listeners and uh, tune in next time for a monster dear monster